Okay. Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bakery Podcast. As you can see, I am joined today by one half of the CDL's most handsome duo. Uh, slightly less bearded, however, slightly less bearded, but not too much. Um, you may know him as Chance Thomas Ashworth. Is it Thomas Ashworth your full name? Am I right in saying? Uh, yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. government. That's what they yeah, call that's, him. That's the government name. Like that, but yeah. sure, we'll go the government name. But yeah, Chance. <laughs> How are you, man? You okay? I'm doing great. Not sick. Like no complaints at all. I have to imagine, like if you're potentially dealing with COVID or some shit like that, that you yeah. know, it could definitely be worse. <coughs> you just, as you said, COVID. I, I went to cough. Like maybe <laughs> yeah, we should avoid the word. Let's just avoid the word altogether. Okay, so uh, a little icebreaker for you. Same question everyone gets. Miles got the question. You're going to get it too, I'm afraid. Uh, so I'm sure you, you eat. I'm, I'm sure you've eaten your fair share of potato crisps in in life. You know, potato chips, crisps, whatever you want to call them. Sure. Um, I'm going to ask you for your top five flavors. Uh, any kind of tortilla chip is going to be number one, just because like I love nachos, and that's the only thing that I will eat on any sort of normal basis. After that, I really don't eat chips at all, but like classic Lay's are really good. Pringles are like fine, but nothing like special. Fritos are solid. I don't know. Have you ever had bugles before? Do you I've had bugles, they yeah. They're the cones, right? Like so, little cones. Yeah, yeah, that you can like put on your fingers. Yeah, like five, yeah, yeah. Just for like nostalgia's sake, bugles will make the top five just because when I was yeah. a kid, it was fun to like have the claws, even though I think they taste like cardboard. Like I don't think they're a good <laughs> chip in the slightest, but. No, they are actually really good. I don't know if good. that was five or not, but yeah, they are actually really that. good. That's cool. Yeah, I can. That's not a bad list. I've, I've I've heard a lot worse. A lot of people, a lot of guys that are like America based, always tend to say uh, some jalapeno chips, like these these same always say uh, these same jalapeno chips. Not a fan. I just can't do spice. And like I, I've heard people talking about like pickled flavor. I think Shotzi said like ketchup flavored chips or something like yeah. that. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, I'm did. just I'm a basic guy. Whatever is like the standard classic, something super yeah. salty. Like that's all I need. Actually, no, it was Ray. It was Ray that said ketchup chips. Yeah, Ray's a fan of ketchup chips. Yeah, yeah. I don't trust the French Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. He, my nickname for him is Rambol. Ever since he's put that Ram, that bowling clip on Twitter, it's just his name's Rambol now. Just Rambol. <laughs> that's, that's all he's known as forever. Right, that's not get, bad. I just want to get into a bit of your history, Chance. So uh, what, what is it that got you into gaming? Oh, shit. Uh, it got me in. I don't even know. I think my first console was a Super Nintendo when I was, I don't know, six or seven years old, something like that. So it was just, I don't know, always there as a kid. I think... I remember playing Super Nintendo a lot and I remember enjoying it. And then I think the first time I ever made money in my life, my dad gave me like a hundred bucks to help him cut down like trees in the backyard or something like that. Yeah. And I spent a hundred bucks to buy a PlayStation one and a Nintendo 64. And I think like by that point I was already like solidified diving in a hardcore gamer, like all my spare time that I wasn't like playing sports or homework or whatever. It was like spent playing video games. I remember the first time I got a Game Boy Color and played like Pokemon Gold version or something like that, just being like infatuated, playing for hours. Like, I don't even know. It's just always been in my life. Like since I was like five, six years old, they've always at least been like in the background. So yeah, I don't know. There's the start. Have you got a game that you could pick that would give you like the biggest nostalgia trip? Ah, uh, it's got to be Pokemon. I just generically like just poured enough hours into like the game love like the it's all like the old school stuff too and especially because like the first pokemon I ever saw get played was either like red or blue version from my cousin playing on like the old school game boy that was like a center block yeah but i didn't own it so i watched that then i played the gold version then like could double back and play others and like <laughs> that was like one of the first games i think i ever like started playing with friends and like try to trade pokemon and this and that so it has to be Pokemon, just for like sheer memory's sake. It's got to be. Oh, then favorite Pokemon? Shoot, what is it? Ooh, Mewtwo. Mewtwo. Oh, see. Mewtwo. So I go Fire Starters like always yeah. as a default for like the the entry type deal, but then Psychic is my second favorite type, and Mewtwo is always just a badass. And like the original Pokemon movie, he was just like a sick villain. Mm, yeah. Like just like even his philosophy, like seven year old me was just like this is like <laughs> like amazing. Like what a great villain to have. Yeah, I, I don't agree. Know. Mewtwo, he's got to be out there. Got to be. Did you enjoy uh, Detective Pikachu the movie? I did very much so. It's like. <laughs> I, you know, for like the standard of a movie, obviously, like it's not yeah. the best, but just, like again, it just hit everything right. The Pokemon look fantastic in it. Like the scene with Mr. Mime yeah. has got to be one of like just the funnier <laughs> things I've seen in a while. Like it's just 
it, it was quality. It hit all of the right like childhood markers that I needed like very very well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're in a world now where you cover a competitive esport, right? Were you competitive from a young age yourself? I mean, did the world of gaming become an avenue for you to develop a creative nature? Creative or competitive? I mean, competitive, competitive nature, sorry, yeah. yeah. My words are slow. But I, yeah, <laughs> it, it was always just from, like, sports, though. It, it was very much of, like, uh, no matter what was put in front of me, the only way I got any sort of entertainment from it was, like, beating other people. Like that's yeah. all I ever cared about. And like, um, like baseball was my main thing as a kid, but swimming was like the secondary. And even though I hated swimming, I got really good at it just cause in practice I was like, fuck you. You're not faster than me. Like I'm going to go a hundred percent, even from like random drills or whatever, just to like beat the guy next to me type deal. So like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fairly competitive person. It's fair to okay. say. Okay. I mean, what were your younger aspirations? Like what did you want to do? I, I mean, wanted to be a major league baseball player up until I was maybe 14 or 15 years old, something to like that effect. Like the yeah. definitely fell out of love, like around the high school age. And then honestly, ever since like it, it wasn't major league baseball, I have not had a single clue what I want to do with my life to this day. I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like no, no ideas when I had to pick a major for college is basically throwing a dart at a dartboard, just yeah. like random selection. Like I have no idea, not a clue. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. I feel exactly the same. How, how old are you now? How old are you? Uh, 26. Yeah, so you're a year older than me. I'm 26 this year in December. Yeah. Um, but I'm exactly the same. No idea what I want to do. Pretty much just floating through life, hoping for the yeah. best. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, obviously your world kind of changed into what it is now. You went from, um, like you said, baseball, a bit of, you know, a big fan of that to kind of fun that I love. How did this whole world of esports and, you know, your 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 huge skill set that is, you know, being able to cast and speak the way you do, how did this all happen? I Oh, God, which part do you want? Like the skill set portion of it or like just the... the well, I suppose... To like I suppose the could, introduction to competitive gaming. Yeah, I suppose you could split it down. So, for example, let's say, were you a comfortable speaker from a young age? Like, you know in certain surroundings where others might have been quiet. Uh, obviously, public speaking is, is a common fear. I mean, did you ever have that fear or were you always confident in your ability to speak? No, I well, yes, no, I was always scared of it and it was always one of my biggest fears, but I was also like halfway decent at it. In middle school, I was in this group called like the National Academic League, which is like a trivia competition through like the public school system. And the teachers, for whatever reason, stuck me on the presentation portion, which pissed me off because I love doing trivia and I hate speaking like publicly <laughs> in any fashion. But like I did that enough that I was kind of good at it, but I hated every second of it. And I remember like holding poster boards and like shaking, presenting to a room of like 15 people that's like parents and yeah. couldn't stand it. And one of my favorite stories to probably like enunciate the fear that I had is at COD Champs, like the second event I ever did at LAN. And it was like, you know, there's the Bravo through, I think East station, like at the time of like side station and hated casting, hated being on camera, got super nervous, but did a good enough job that Puckett and a couple of the Activision guys came to me on like Saturday night, I think it was. Um, and they were like, hey, do you want to cast like the elimination match? Like the to get like the top three, I think it was Prophecy versus Phase Red. They're like, do you want to be on the main stage in front of everybody? Like that is the dream that every single caster would be like, obviously I want to do that. And I told them, no, I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm way too nervous. I hate every second of it. And I told them that and they looked at me like, are you an idiot? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like that you have to say yes to this question. And they eventually like forced me on, but I mean, no, I just, it took me a very long time to get like used to it and comfortable. I hated it for just forever and was super nervous, dude. Cause like even for that specific match, I remember like checking um like the average viewership and it was like 110, 120,000 people on average are watching like the mainstream on champs. And I was like, bro, that's like two football stadiums worth of people. Like they're going to be looking at me and listening to me talk like hell no. <laughs> it, it just took forever and i think like every single year whatever like the first tournament is there's always like an element of that that like kicks back in of just yeah. like what am i doing I, there's no way i'm going to be good at this job like this is just it's always nerve-wracking but i'm definitely more used to it now yeah i can imagine i mean did you have any kind of exercises or things that you did back when you first started to try and like help you develop your skill set ah uh, um not i wouldn't say exercise it's like just to get like the the jump start i remember during the cast off 
It, it was like the first entry portion. You had to like record a clip of you speaking for like a minute over gameplay that you could watch. And I literally did like 50 or 60 takes of it just to like get the exact thing down packed, which is completely cheating. Cause like, obviously at that point, I know what's going to happen in the yeah. clip. I can get it down to a science. I can basically write out what I want to say. Did like 50 or 60 takes. And then like the quote training throughout like the competition, I would go back and watch like old VOD from like COD Ghost from whatever COD I could find cast over it normally then listen to how the actual casters did it and then go back and self-correct and like yeah. record how i used to do it like i used to grind for like hours that's good. yeah that's to like good. figure it out but like but not like a training exercise necessarily just like hardcore repetition basically yeah yeah bids is in the chat he said best caster in the game for sure so there you go shout out bids appreciate <laughs> yeah. that so how did casting become i mean like, like we said you know castings became your career now and this switch that you made, <coughs> how did the actual, like you said with Pocket and how this opportunity came around, when did the realization that this would be a real career for you kind of happen? Now, when you say career, what do you mean? Well, obviously, I mean, the CDL, yeah, this is a career, right? This is, you know, this I mean, yeah, the, the reason I like even ask like career is just because like year over year, I don't see. I, I never see a future in casting beyond like the current year that I have a contract signed. Okay. Like I think Revan was the first person to tell me is like until I've signed on that dotted line, I have no expectations that I'm actually going to cast. And I agree about that because like it's a super volatile like industry. Every single year, there's massive changes. I yeah. think since I've started casting, maybe 80% of just the Call of Duty casters have either left, gotten fired, moved on to a different esport. Like it, it's just a crazy year to year change. So like even next year. I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to be back with, like, the CDL. Like, I, I think at this point I've done a good enough job to be, like, yeah. solidified. But, like, if you're saying career of, like, long term, like, if I'm doing this in five years, I'll be incredibly impressed that it has even gone, like, this long. It's just saying career. It's just – it's a very specific term, I guess. Okay, okay. I feel you. So, let's say – I mean, hypothetically speaking, let's say – I mean, I'm sure they're going to, but let's say they don't keep you on for next year. What's your plan? What do you do? Where do you go? Where do you see that's yourself? The, that's the biggest problem. That That is a question I've never been able to develop an answer for. Because, like, I think most casters or, like, most people in the industry, like, they'll do something secondary, produce content on YouTube, stream, something yeah. to that effect. So, like, they do have a fallback plan, but I've, like, almost actively uh, avoided doing any of that. So I don't have one. Like, if okay. this casting <laughs> thing falls through, like, I'm screwed. I'm off this scene. Like, unless I get lucky and pull off, like, a, a coaching or analyst gig or something like that, like, yeah. I would probably just be disavowed from, like, the, the Call of Duty community and go back to, like, quote, normal life, whatever that is. I feel you. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll see you next year, so it's okay. No I, I, yeah, we will. I hope so. We will. We will. There's no way we don't. You and Miles have got too much charisma. Um, so, I've got my first bit of cast trivia. Are you ready? Let's sit. Let's test you. Okay. <sighs> okay. CWR Anaheim 2018. This was day. What, what game is this? Is this Black Ops 3? Uh, 2018. No, it's Black Ops 4. CWR Anaheim 2018. 2018. What year? Not really Black Ops 4. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Because 2019 would have been Black Ops 4, right? No, because I believe City by Anaheim was late 2018. So it would have been one of the first events. Am I, am I going crazy? You know what? Do I need well, to Because 2019 would have been Black Ops 4 and 2018 would have been World War 2. Just because 2020 was Modern Warfare, right? I'm not crazy. 2018 had to have been Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've got. CWR 2018 Anaheim. The World War 2. Because I do my life right, is in okay. Call of Duty yeah. game, not actually. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's World War Two. There we go. Oh, okay. 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 So Anaheim <laughs> for World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Anaheim World War Two. Uh, it was day number three. Yourself, my dog, Rich Campbell, and Evan. Sorry, Revan. Were a quad presenting team at the desk. Yeah. Now, can you remember which game ended with a lot of confusion on day three, with a split second deciding the game? At the split second deciding the game in World War Two. I mean, yeah. I remember in World War Two there was like a tie on Arden Forest Hardpoint with um, I think it would have been Red Reserve at the time. But I don't know. Is that what you mean by like split second thing? Because the tie yeah. they would have just like redone. So that was Red Reserve. Yeah. Ah shit. Versus. I mean, if his day three, I'd go with TK. Would be no. my best guess, but I have no idea. It was Red Reserve versus Rise Nation. 
versus right and the rise yeah. nation at the time that would have been slasher tj looney and, and gunless yes sir yeah yeah uh, at that part at least okay do you remember who won the series and by what score i mean bro if it's rise nation versus red well actually no so you said anaheim was late in the year I, well see i've got a lot Ooh. of tri- i've got a lot of trivia around like 2018 so maybe i've got that one mixed up well, so I mean, so, like Rise Nation is like the easy pick for who probably won. But if it was late in the year, I think Red Reserve got a couple second places. So I think if you're asking, I think Red it Reserve was... would have won the series. Yeah, Paradox said it was around June time. On June, uh, if that's at the end of the year, yeah. I mean, so my guess would be Red Reserve then, because like Rise Nation was the better team on the whole year, but Red Reserve had a couple second places that they threw in the mix. And I don't think it was grand finals where they had the tie. So I think yeah. that was Red Reserve winning the series to probably go to the finals. No, sir. Rise won 3 2. Damn it. Was it the finals, though, or like semifinals, something like that? Um, Again, I'm not too sure. <laughs> okay. It's, okay. it's fine. It's close yeah. enough. But, but, but all that matters is you are Norton 1 on, on trivia. So we'll keep that there, so to speak. That's all that matters. Right. No, that's fair. So. I just want to get into, I mean, to trait-wise, what traits do you kind of feel you possessed from a younger age and younger years and life experiences that were kind of easily applicable to this world of casting? None at all. <laughs> I, I mean, again, like, uh, up until maybe, like, year two of me, like, casting, or maybe even year three, like, I hated public speaking, hated everything about it, to the point where, again, if I'm presenting to a room of, like, 15, like, I was a swim coach, and I'd, like, give awards at the end of the year to a room of, like, a hundred tiny children and their parents and like even that would make me nervous and like i always hated it so i don't know if i would ever say well i mean if you're saying skill set maybe something to do with like analytics like i've always been a very logical person i've always been great at like arguing about literally anything just because yeah. like i could be a bit of a dick yeah me so, like, too. there's that extra <laughs> oomph in like the background <laughs> type thing so like yeah maybe just like the cold logic has like paid some sort of like partial benefit but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say there's anything like pure, like from a very young age, I knew casting was like the destiny, like nothing like that. Not at yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. It's just more something you stumbled across. Okay. Yeah. Literally. I, I just needed a job and it worked out with the timing. Okay. Well, I mean, it's working out well. So, you know, I that, appreciate that. <laughs> that goes. Were there any entertainers, kind of hosts or commentators uh, from other sports or media that you might have watched and indulged in to learn from or took inspiration from? Nope. <laughs> I mean, like, I literally, like, even when I first started casting, it was, I didn't model myself around anybody. Like, I would listen to, like, all the commentators and, like, try to pay attention to, like, what worked, what didn't, and, like, try to gather feedback from the community on what they liked. But it was very much just, like, randomly guessing my entire way through and, like, making adjustments just of, like, my own personal thoughts. Like, literally, there have been tweets I've got. I remember even getting a tweet in World War II. I was casting, like, a Gibraltar hardpoint. And whatever the hell I said at the time, one random guy tweeted me. He was like, hey, I like that point you made. That's going to help me in the future. Nice job. And I was like, this is the type of thing that people, like, want. Like, I'm doing more of this. Like, yeah, it is very much just a – I don't want to say a smooth transition, but more of, like, a natural thing. But – up until pre-modern warfare i never even like looked up any like legendary commentators from any sports i started reading more stuff from like your uh your bob costas's like tight people and like see what their advice is but that was you know five years into it before i started paying attention to like the actual professionals which honestly not a smart plan by me i will say like i should have been way better about that from the get-go but I don't know. It just, uh, just the way it happened. Yeah. So far, it sounds pretty much like you're just uh, riding the wave. You were just kind of like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm here now. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. Something like that. I suppose. Just I mean, like honestly, Twitter fit or t- Twitter, uh, Twitter feedback and uh, Reddit feedback has been yeah the majority of how I've made my adjustments throughout. <laughs> I mean, career. Twitter feedback cannot be the best place to get feedback. Surely. <laughs> I'll take what I can get, man. <laughs> <laughs> right i mean out of all the casters that you've worked with and watched do you which one of you would you say you've learned the most from um i mean actually i suppose this ties in the last question i I think the most advice that like have sort of held true is like all the stuff Puckett. i mean even from the cast off i remember a ton of the advice he was giving like generically to everyone that was like in the competition so i think Puckett, like advice wise and sort of like generally how to frame the cast the type of stories you want to tell like even the generic advice of like you want to be able to make sure that someone that isn't visually watching it if they're just listening in the background constantly has an awareness of like what's the score line what players are doing well stuff like that 
So Pocket probably had the biggest influence early on, but then even working with Ben for a year and a half is like, you know, you're working with one of the best in like the actual industry, one of the most professional people you could possibly work with. Like yeah. that is, you know, the, the learning through absorption, uh, I'm sure was definitely there. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, I can imagine casting requires kind of a lot of game knowledge, right? Uh, do you personally have a routine? Uh, I mean, f for example, with a new title coming up in which you learn fundamentals and niche detail that others may overlook to kind of give you a more diverse catalog of vocabulary when you cast? Uh, it, it's a bit of a mixed bag. And I would say that, like, even if the community thinks I'm, like, great with game knowledge, I'm sure the pros have a very different opinion type deal. But it, it's very much, like, grind the GBs to try to actually, like, play against the good competition, grind ranked as much as possible. And even, like, grinding, like, S&D, it is sniping as much as possible to learn all the different angles, to learn, like, all the different rips. It is rushing with an SMG as much as possible to learn the different routes and the timings and try to make sure that you, like, have a full scope and understanding of like what every single like pro player is going to be doing on the map. And you try to sparse that in between of like, you watch scrims as much as possible. You talk to the pros to figure stuff out. One of my favorite things that I wasn't able to do since it was online, but I used to do all the time in the pro league. And, um, and like we were doing it in Columbus is I became friends with like the audio guy and I would just sit in the booth and listen to team comms nonstop. Just listen to as much as possible during the pro league. And that just helps with like, you know, you listen to the players like after a map and they're talking about the other team. And they're like, I don't know how this guy knew that. Like that player is like crazy. This play like this and that. And you try to pick at, or pick as much like different possible bits of information from pros as you can and try to integrate it. Like it, it's just, you get stuff from everywhere. Like again, even your podcast, some of the stuff you've had with like different coaches, different players. Like I try to take that information and work it in with cast. If it just like works out for the storytelling, like it's, you just do as much as possible constantly to always put yourself in the position where like you have something relevant to say to either the players, the gameplay, like whatever it's going to be. That's awesome. Cast trivia part two. Okay. Okay. Oh, for one. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. United versus Optic winners, semifinals, CDBL Vegas. Yeah. And this would be Fry W. Uh, this was for black ops four. Okay, sorry. Say it again. United versus Optic at, uh, win, at Vegas. It was, yeah, it was the winner's semifinal, CDBL Vegas. For Black Ops 4. Okay. Yeah. So, yourself and Benson McCast in the game, you know, we've all seen the clip. Uh, oh, it's this fucking yeah. thing. Okay. United's yeah. begin right. to pull off an incredible comeback. Um, yeah. Now, there is a great clip, you know, everyone's seeing it, uh, of you staring into almost a disbelief, uh, whilst Benson pretty much loses his shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can you guess how many seconds you were silent for? Fifty-eight seconds. No, sir. Good, good try, though. It was a good try. I mean, what, what, what do I need? Like a plus or minus, like five seconds to get this correct? Uh, I mean, I got it wrong. Anyway, how long was it's, it? It's plus. Um, it's seventy-five seconds. Good God, <laughs> dude, that's like that's disrespectful <laughs> on my part to force Ben to go for that long. Like that's bad timing with the throw is all that is. That, yeah. that's actually ridiculous. Mate, it was so funny watching it today. I watched it a few times over and wow. was just told me different bits. And Benson's just absolutely spitting everything out. Um, yeah. And I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a lack on your side. I think it was just that the airways were so filled with Benson being so passionate that you didn't really have space to talk. Um, and Benson was just. And the game ended. <laughs> and when the game ended, there was just a, a 10, 12 second moment of just pure silence, where I'm assuming you and Benson were just like, "What the fuck have we just seen?" Um, but yeah, it was a seven. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Well, I was going to say, like, I can't remember what my mentality is in the moment, but there's definitely like, if there's a hype comeback, like happening, I should never be the one talking, especially <laughs> not if Ben's my partner. Cause that is where he is like in yeah. prime form. So like, it needs to be him for like the hype moments and all that time. Yeah. And then the one thing I miss about like Lan is being able to fade out for 10 seconds after a match ends and letting the crowd do their work and like letting that like build the impact. Yeah, Cause yeah. like, if it's online, like I would have to talk right after just to, like fill the dead space, but I don't know, 75 seconds is pretty absurd or whatever it is you, you said, something yeah, like that. Is. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I find it really funny, actually. I mean, speaking of Benson, obviously, it must have been very strange to lose your casting duo so suddenly. Um, however, your new duo is very talented uh, and also went through the same situation uh, in terms of losing his partner. Uh, were there any concerns during the buildup of your relationship or did you guys kind of do anything extra to help you gel as the bearded couple that you are? 
Uh, that sounds. I mean, a, we made sure that sounds a bit like a, a video on a website, don't it? Gel and bearded couple. <laughs> <laughs> I got to shave now. <laughs> nah, I, it, like the transition is super easy, just because like he's good at his job, so it wasn't difficult for me in the slightest to like make the switch type deal. And it was just like, you know, we went through every single team, talk about every single player, like before whatever our first series casting was to make sure we were on the same page for all the storylines. We knew what each other's thoughts were going to be. And it's mainly for Miles to know what like questions he can ask and like have like primed up like conversational talking points type deal. And then I think the biggest thing we actually had to make adjustments to is just how to cast like search and destroy, just because that's the, like the most rhythmic part of like, do you just want to do play by play for the entire round? When does this guy jump in? And I think that was the one thing that I don't know exactly when me and him became partners, but there was like maybe six weeks of pro league. We had something like that where like we weren't on like a, a good page at all. And I think it was like up until playoffs. It took us that long to like really get that chemistry and like rhythm going. And it would just be like after every single cast or every single weekend talking over like what went well, what didn't. We were talking you know, over these parts. We need to make these adjustments. I need to throw it to him. Like, or these hype moments. I need to call these parts of the rounds. Like just working out the kinks, but you know, 90% of it is just, he's great at what he does. It's not yeah. difficult at all to work with miles. Like actually one of the more interesting things is I realized that I could just say more dumb shit because he could just make it sound good. <laughs> like I remember one time, like, uh, it was, I was about to say reciprocity. It was, um, the, the Paris Legion were playing and like Dens was going off and I made some shitty reference to like Australians and spiders. And then he just took my like idiotic comment and made it sound wonderful and like had the nice transitional flow. And that was a moment I was like, dude, I can say whatever I want. Like I have freedom now because no matter how bad it is, like he's going to make this work. So like, it was just like that, that extra degree of freedom, I would say just because of uh, Miles' talents that he yeah. possesses. Maybe you should take that as a challenge to yourself now to see just how much you can test him next year. <laughs> yeah, just see what, what you can come out with. Um, I mean, look, I'm grateful for everything you've told me about you. I'm, I'm going to try to get into some COD talk with you. Obviously, we've watched Modern Warfare come and go, uh, with it being, in my opinion, ultimately one of the worst comp CODs I think we've ever seen. Um, now, as a caster, what's it like being trying to keep up with a game that seems to be so sporadic? Um, I mean, it's just... Uh, it just generically makes everything tougher. Like, it, it's so harder to, like... You can't even, like, evaluate as well, like, which players are good and which players are bad, or sometimes even which teams are having success when, like, you're watching a game and then just some team gets fucked over by spawns, and it's like, how do you cast it? Like, you can acknowledge it, but, like, like there's been a ton of chatter about, like, which players are kill whores and, like, playing for stats and stuff like that, just, like, get a spot, like, into the new year. And I think a game like this, it's very difficult for me, like, on the fly to actually identify that just because of how many players on the map, how chaotic it is, and just how many situations where like a good spawn or like whatever it's going to be just impacts everything and spirals out of control. So I just think the game from this year and even not having like a proper rank play system, like I couldn't play this game nearly as much as in the past and actually get good information. And that just makes like me worse at my job. And like, it's tough to call domination plays and see what a good or bad setup is going to be. Cause if this one random player not even like pushes up too far, does anything wrong, but like then all of a sudden they're spawning back. Like it's just the amount of chaos that was in the game, I think makes it more difficult to properly evaluate anything from an analytical perspective, whether it be the game, the teams or players. And I think that's just like a detractor. So I can't even remember what the question is, but no, no you've, you've covered it. You've covered it. That's good. <laughs> Cast trivia. I'm going to this bit here. Day one, CWL Vegas 2018. So Optic played Splice. And they took... Hold on, 2018, CW, this would be... CWL Vegas 2018. If it's Vegas from 2018, that's not World War II. This would be... No, it'd be, right? no, be Black Ops 4. Black Ops 4. No, there's no way. Yeah. CWL Vegas 2018. Okay, so this was in like December. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, CWL Vegas 2018, first event for Black Ops 4. We're here, sorry. Yeah. Optic played Splice, and they took the game 3-1. This was day one with a convincing okay. win on which fourth map you casted this game with you you casted this game with benson this would be the same event optic versus splice map four it was i that, mean I, I don't have a clue i'm just guessing a hard point map at this point it would have been uh seaside sure yeah you got it Fuck. i mean yeah that, that's just like a one in five chance so yeah like, dude, i have not a clue it was i couldn't even tell you it was on that like splice team so like it was a it was temp um uh temp accuracy looney looney 
Aqua. Yeah. It was a. You know what? That, that game was actually really good. It was the bit where yeah. um, Optic held the spawns and literally just streaked them, and then TJ called a war machine on the stairs, and it just uh, it all went from there. But it was good. It was good. Jerd, there you go. Jerd was the fifth. Jerd, shout yeah. out Jerd. Yeah. All right, uh, Cold War. Let's get into it. How are you finding it? I mean, it's just like an alpha. So I, I dude, I never understand like the community like having like hard opinions after playing a yeah. game for like two days, like at best. Like the game felt good, the guns felt nice. I don't like any of the red dot sites, so I guess like that's something. But like, it's not the full game. It's not a competitive mode. I didn't like. I like. I enjoyed Moscow. I hated satellite, and I'm kind of like neutral on Miami. But like. Yeah. I can't play the competitive settings. So like, I have no idea. I, I have no full opinion. The game felt good for an alpha, but I already know that like the movement for the beta is being adjusted. The AK-74 is getting nerfed. The snipers are getting nerfed. Like, it's just a different game. So I, I have no idea. How did you like it? Um, I played it for about an hour and turned it off. I haven't played it. I think literally. I saw you yeah. tweet there. You're like, dude, um, I just can't do pubs. Yeah, anymore. I've just, I've, li I've just, I literally cannot do pubs. Um, I think. Me and me and Dylan were talking a little about it. Me and Madcat. Uh, I think the the aim assist is ridiculously high. Um, that is true. That is definitely true. And I don't I don't just mean the snipers. I think ARs too. I think it's just really easy to shoot on. It's re it's really easy to get a kill. Um, I don't think it takes a lot of gun skill because the aim assist is so high that it's pretty easy to get a kill. Uh, snipers are ridiculous, but they've already kind of addressed that, haven't they? And said that we're aware that snipers are you know a certain way, and that they, I believe they said they did it intentionally. Um, yeah. with, with with the belief of trying to find out a realism in the you know in the middle of it somewhere, so hopefully snipers get put to a level where they're uh, not better than everything in the game. Because I mean, war skins running around with a sniper in this current meta would be the worst thing in the world to ever <laughs> to, to ever deal with. So, um, but yeah, uh, overall, I mean, I think it feels a bit like Black Ops One um, in terms of movement and gunplay. I think the guns and the, the movement definitely feel more Black Ops One based. I don't feel like sprinting doesn't feel too quick you don't feel too i think the game feels a lot better than than i'd say the last three titles that i've played um i think the gunplay feels good again like you said just i'm not too sure on the maps i think moscow is a pretty good map uh, again miami i'm not sure on satellite yeah I, I don't log at all um i didn't play any of the 12v24 modes which i probably should have because i heard they were pretty fun i saw four I more <laughs> I played it once and then never played it again. Yeah. I had like five minutes on the map and I was like, you know what? Like this is, it ain't for me. <laughs> I feel. I saw Formal on the ship, on the clip on uh, Twitter earlier, Huntsman uploaded it. And Formal's just stood there literally on like a, what, 16 kill streak with Sniper Rifle, just literally beaming yeah. heads off spawn. So uh, yeah, uh, I'd rather not be in those lobbies. I think, I think I'm just going to avoid them altogether. What are your opinions yeah. around this whole conversation around skill-based matchmaking? I'm, obviously Hex addressed the tweet with it, didn't he? I do. I think like everyone's opinion is wrong, basically. Or like I, I genuinely think that like the the not COD community, like the people that are attacking the COD community, are more correct. But I think both are wrong because like the reaction of skill-based matchmaking does not belong in COD is insane to me. Because like we need some degree of it. It's just like you don't want it cranked up to the max. Like if there is a hundred percent scale of skill-based matchmaking, you want it at a hundred percent for ranked play. If we get a good mode, that would be nice for like ranked type deal. But then you want, you know, maybe 50% or 60 because, like, I don't want a guy on my team that's going to go 1 in 37 in cost. That's not fun for me. I don't want to play against pros all the time and just get destroyed because that's not going to be fun. Like, there needs to be some balance of, like, you're not playing against your crew bots. You get people to shoot back, but they're not always good enough that you can still try out the new guns. You can mess around. You don't have to be calling out or playing with, like, other teammates. Like, you want some level of competition but you don't want to have to sweat your balls off for like every single match. But like some degree of skill-based matchmaking is still like absolutely necessary, not even just for player attention, but for like for my own personal enjoyment. So like the people that are saying no skill-based matchmaking, I think are just insane. And that's not a great idea. You just want it toned down and find that right adjustment period where one out of every five games, I actually have to try the other four games. Like I can mess around and snipe and still have a good time, whatever it's going to be. But like, like I think when I was trying to think of this of like, the most fun I've had in pubs, at least for the past like five years, was like Black Ops Three. So like whatever level of skill based matchmaking they had for that game, like yeah. that's where I want it. Just yeah. like roughly in that ballpark. Yeah, I actually agree. I think Black Ops Three was really good for pubs. I would say that's the last game I actually played for pubs where I can remember prestiging. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I've prestiged in a COD since then. So 
Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm just a Modern Warfare 2 COD gamer. That's all I can think of. That's all I, I, for some reason, I think there's a nostalgia that's so deeply rooted in me for Modern Warfare 2 and my love for that game that all I do is compare <laughs> everything to it. You know, I look at COD and I go, is it anything like Modern Warfare 2? No, okay, well, it's not that good. <laughs> no, that, that's it. And I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't. But, you know, there was like, for me, there was nothing better than finishing school, 13, 14, getting in, sitting in my boxer shorts and a polo top and playing Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> till, till 11 p.m., half 11, you know, and my mum would come in and she'd be like, right, bed. And I'd be like, yeah, no problem. And I'd wait for her to get in bed and I'd turn it back on and I'd sit there till 3 a.m. You know, yeah. just... <laughs> nothing better than Modern Warfare 2 man I just miss that game so much I wish I wish I wish I could just go back in time and play it but <coughs> um, that's honestly that's the one COD game outside of the ones I've never played that I've played the least I've played oh. maybe a total of two hours of Modern Warfare 2 oh, and no. that's it oh no it's so good Chance I yeah, know that's the it's so that's good the one. I, I hear nothing but good things outside Amazing. of like the one man army noob tubes and oh, stuff like that, hey, but... that yeah listen it was, all you had to do was sit on top terminal with a javelin and put a javelin through the roof on terminal onto C dumb flag. Just get Ugh. just get four piece after four piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the game was so good. So uh, obviously we've seen a um, seen a controversial tweet uh, yesterday with LIG rumored to be picking up mental from Gears of War. Uh, a lot of people seem to believe that it's just some random Gears of War guy. Little do most people know this is the highest earning Gears of War pro there is. Um, He's got an extremely impressive tournament history. I don't know if you've ever followed much Gears of War. I do, actually. I've always been a fan yeah. of Gears of War. I used to play it a long time ago. Uh, and I used to play pretty much every single day. And I've always followed the likes of Explosive and Mental. Um, and Mental's, you know, his, his trophy cabinet is wide and stacked. And I don't think people realise just how good of a player he is. Um, what are your opinions on the rumoured move? I think it's a good move from LAG. Like, generally speaking, I think Gears Kids suck at COD just as, like, a blanket statement. Yeah. But, I mean, it's what Nameless has tweeted out about he played Black Ops 4, like, S&D tourneys with Mental, and he was like, the dude is insane. Um, I asked Benson about Gears Kids coming over because he casted Gears, and he was like, none of them can come over except for Mental. Like, he's that one guy. Um, Waldo, who, if you keep up with Gears, I'm sure you know, yeah, he observes yeah. CDL. He's done casting work for, like, Gears. Like, that was his game. I said the same thing of, like, like people are talking about mental in the same way that Shotzi was talked about of like, he is the guy, he is the king of this game and he can make that transition and like be sick. Like he is just a gamer. He's got that mentality. So like I am looking at the gorillas and it's just like the perfect pickup. Like yeah. there is maybe half the teams in the league could justifiably like do it. But a couple of people I think had the best take of like, this is the most the gorillas have been talked about since they got formed as an organization like no one cared yeah. about them for an entire no. year they tweet out we're picking up this gears kid and everyone blows up whether positive or negative like now they get eyes on him they get attention and especially if he's just a sub you just paid what maybe 50 grand or maybe he's yeah, making more yeah. i have no idea but you're getting that you now have a great player that is incredibly marketable and potentially a guy that if he just happens to be like that shotsy kind of talent or whatever it's going to be he might be sick might be massively beneficial for your team like the storylines there the talent is there like it's just a good pickup like i know a lot of people are salty but in my mind it's just it's nothing but good things to, to at least give him the shot yeah, I agree. I mean, for branding-wise, for an organization, it's huge. Especially, I mean, it's going to bring a lot of new fans to LAG. And not only LAG, but it's going to bring new eyes to the eSport as a whole because I'm sure Mental's going to bring a lot of Gears of War fans over to the sport with him who are fans of him and want to see what he can do in the Call of Duty world. So I think it's good for the, for the eSport as a whole, obviously, and for LAG. There, there is a lot of talk, and obviously there's a lot of um, opinions from a lot of top-tier top Rams. Um, and, and rightly so, you know, they've worked hard all year. People have put their two cents in all year and people have really, really grinded uh, and grinded for possibly the outcome of nothing. And, and they're sitting there seeing, you know, a guy who's never competed in Call of Duty pretty much just be swung across and picked up in a new 4v4 game in which, you know, a lot of people are losing their careers and losing their jobs. Um, what would you say to those people that are feeling that way? I, I would say that, like, you're def like th there's a certain degree where like it, at least of like the, I would say the tippy top North American team I can't remember their name or like who they like I can't remember what it was but like the the best North American team in the past <laughs> year and then I would say the two best European teams like those guys can justifiably upset that the switch was four v four switch was made to four v four without an expansion 
because that just means that like even though they just grinded for a year had all this success and made their like statement known of like we are the guys that need to be picked up on either substitute spots or like the starting spot on the roster like they earn that right yeah and then there's just very little hope of any of that going through with maybe like two or three exceptions so like for that part i could understand being upset but to be upset at mental is ridiculous because like just be more marketable than him, right? Like yeah, you've been in yeah. COD for years and you haven't been able to build your name. Like there are players in the, the North American top AM scene that have had experience in the pro league. Same thing for the European guys. Yeah. Like they've been gifted the opportunity to play on the main stage, make a name for yourself, like the, the whole nine yards. And mental is genuinely just more marketable than most of those guys. So for to be mad at him makes no sense because he has the potential for the skill to be there and he's more marketable and he's just getting a sub spot too. Just to like give it a shot. So I, I would say that like it sucks, but to be angry at mental makes zero sense in my mind. To be upset about grinding for a year, proving yourself, like justifiably proving yourself, and to just have you know a twenty percent chance of whatever it's going to be because the league gets reduced uh, of actually being able to qualify, like that's the part that sucks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <coughs> I um, I mean, I'm assuming the four v four change for you. I mean, although detrimental to many careers, ultimately, must be a breath of fresh air as a caster. Uh, 4v4 is more manageable to watch. I'm assuming easier to analyze. Are you excited at the concept of it? Oh, 100%. Like, the, the clip of uh, me and Benson where I didn't talk for 75 seconds, apparently, where I just looked dumbfounded <laughs> about what's going on, that was the first event of Black Ops 4. So that was the first event I ever casted 5v5. Yeah. And so, like, that was the first time, and literally, my face is like, I'm just trying to keep up with all the action, <laughs> trying to keep up with minimap, trying to keep up with specialist earned, yeah. score streaks being earned, and, like, trying to process everything. And it was just so goddamn much yeah. to actually keep up with. So, yeah. now we're going back to 44. I was like, this is easy. Like, this is back to World War II. Yeah. I can process and understand everything. Yeah. It's not just right here. Like, you know, I, I would go into any given cast on Modern Warfare knowing that I'm going to miss 80% of the action, right? Like, yeah. you just can't keep up with which players are doing what. You're just missing a ton. Now that it's 4v4 and, well, it's still a fast-paced game, but, like, a little bit slower overall, like, I just think my casting is going to be better because of it. I think the action is going to be better, easy to decipher, like, the ridiculousness of someone that's watching Call of Duty for the first time and seeing a 5v5 hardpoint, they're not going to know what the fuck is going on. There's just no way that they can keep up. And you literally, it, you would have to watch him play for a year before you can like start to like understand and conceptualize it in the slightest. And that's hard to get fans behind it when it's like that difficult of like a, an entry yeah. barrier of just understanding like the action. So like. Yeah. Outside of the players losing their jobs, in my mind, there's nothing but benefit and positive yeah. things with the 4v4 change. Chance, I've spent a year watching Hardpoint and 5v4, <laughs> and I've got <laughs> no fucking idea what is going on. Not in, yeah, dude. Through Black Ops 4, I used to... I mean, Black Ops 4 was slightly more more manageable to kind of look at as a viewer, but even then I was still like, what, 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 what's going on? Like, where, where, where's... I, the thing with 5v5, it always seems like no matter how many people die in that kill feed, they're still there. They're still somewhere. Yeah. They're still there. There's like it's like a rash that won't go away. Whereas four v four, it seems like you kind of tow it back. You know, like you you completely like there's this sense of awareness of all of it. But like watching, I mean, for me, watching Modern Warfare this year was just like I'd just stay at my TV and just be like, and I'd give up after thirty seconds, just pick up my phone and be like, oh, yeah, I don't even fucking care. I don't I have yeah, no idea insane. what's going on, so I'm not gonna look. But I, I, I mean, serious, you know applause to you and miles for being and, and you know and merc maven uh, lando study just just being able to to look at that game and to be able to actually take anything from me is to me is good honest to god because i'm looking and i'm just like i i have no idea what's going on at any point especially in a hard point i mean oh my god those hard points are bad but <coughs> you guys made it look pretty pretty good so yeah, I mean, you. we do what we can, but, like, e even the casting style has to be changed. Like, yeah. almost everything has to be, like, retrospective with the way you, like, break down the gameplay. Like, I used to be able in, like, World War II, I would, like, see a setup by a team, and I'd be like, oh, 100%, like, they're going to get X amount of time, or, like, it's a 2v2 in S&D, they get this bomb down in this setup, I'm like, this team is going to win, and I can explain exactly why everything is going to happen before it does, because, like, there's an understanding of it, but, like, trying to cast Domination in Modern Warfare, like, I would try to be like, well, this team has a good setup and this and that, and then every, like, shit would just hit the fan, and it just turns into chaos, and it's just like, dude, I don't even know. 
it's just yeah. it's just God. yeah there five was a... five is a lot especially for <laughs> yeah, this i agree there was a couple of times on cast where merc just kind of went uh i uh i have no idea what happened there <laughs> yep. and yep, was... that happens all the time <laughs> and i was uh, when he said that i was like yeah me either i've had no idea this whole fucking time <laughs> Oh. And then the players who listen to their comms would also be like, I have no idea yeah, why that guy yeah. got that spawn. It's, it's unreal. Just... I, I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I was, I was saying to, I, feel, I can't remember who I said it to. It was one of the uh, players that I had on, but I was just like, how, like how, how do you take this game seriously knowing that this is what you compete for, for, for a living? Like you compete on this game and obviously you're salaried, but you know, you're trying to win, win tournament winnings and, and, you know, put your name out there and the title that seems to just do what it likes. You know, you, you can't, you, you know, there's no real guarantee with Modern Warfare that you're, it's going to go your way. You can't control the flow of this game. There was an interesting tweet from Parasite, um, Haggy. Haggy feels that like there is actually a, a real rhythm to the game and that ultimately you, you really can predict the spawns, like it or not, of how it all works. Uh, and the, the randomness is always down to a, down to some an in-game decision or down to something in-game. But yeah. I'll say I make zero excuses for the players. Like I'll make excuses for the fans and like to a lesser extent the casters of not being able to keep up because like domination is the best example when it gets like chaotic and tough to keep up with. But the players get no benefit in that regard. They're getting paid enough money. This is literally their job their entire life. Like go and figure it out. Because if you look at the Dallas Empire, it was like noted maybe halfway through the year of like they're playing the game the best. They understand it better than everyone. And they just put in the work to understand it. And yeah. they were just like the team. Like even if they're like a phase could out talent them, you go to the grand finals. And even if phase is better than the talent, they just get washed out because Empire put in the work. So like yeah. I agree with Haggy to a certain degree. Obviously, random bullshit spawns are gonna happen like every now and again. But yeah. for the most part, if it's your job, your career, your life on the run, like figure that shit out. Do whatever you can to figure that shit out and like had the best understanding possible because it was very much evident by the end it empire just knew more than other teams they had the cheekier spots they knew exactly how far yeah. they could like push and force the spawns like as wild of a game as it still was like you can still make enough predictive reads that you can put yourself in a good spot 90 something percent of the time so no excuses for the players on that no excuses for casters either like yeah we should have done a better job probably being able to break it down but you know it is what it is. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one, but okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Too much of a suit answer right there. Right, I'll tone it back a little yeah, bit. It's okay. Uh, what has been the most exciting game to cast so far in your career? Exciting for me, the individual. For you, yeah. For you as an individual. For you as an individual. Exciting. Um, <laughs> you said that with a bit of an undertone of wow, not really anything. I mean, I think like, well, generically the most fun I've had for like a straight year is Black Ops 3. Like Black Ops okay. 3, I think through and through is my favorite year overall. But like, I mean, just for like even sheer exciting moments, I have to imagine Black Ops 4 was up there. Yeah. Because like as much as I hated like playing in rank to get like, you know, four piece by a war yeah. machine or getting down by a Tempest, like, dude, if there's a player making those sick plays, like... That makes it that much cooler. The karma graph slams. They're even like the slack of like failing with the, the graph slam for however yeah. long. And then he picks up, boom, that big five piece. And like, I think there was enough little things in the specialists that made the gameplay like that much more exciting. So I think Black Ops 4 probably had the most to offer in terms of excitement overall. Probably. Okay. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I agree with you actually. Just just from a viewership standpoint as well. Like you know, looking at like Dashy's five piece on Seaside Hardpoint, and then yeah. the, the TJ kill streak straight afterwards. That shit was insane. It was so good to watch. Um, what would you say has been the most event that you've casted? The most exciting event? Ah. Uh... Oh, God. I, I mean, again, it's like a fan perspective. I, I think my favorite event to even like sit back and watch and not necessarily cast. I actually can't remember. It was um, either the first or second event. It, it was Atlanta. It was Atlanta for IW, whatever the hell year that was. But it was when you had the Optic Gaming versus E United final. I can't even remember who won. I'm pretty okay. sure it went to a double best of five. And I remember that event, I like dragged like two or three friends that like were not associated with COD at all to like yeah. actually sit there and watch it. So like I had those guys with me and then it was like, that was when Gunless, Pristini and RCDs were like completely unknown. They were playing with Silly and it was a team that no one thought was going to have that much success. And then it's Optic who were like, we're the best team in the game. Everybody knew they were the best. They'd been the best for a while. Like that team was stacked ridiculously so and then e united like took it to him the double best of fives like that event was so much fun i remember the crowd being sick as well like you know there's probably yeah. less than a thousand people that were actually in attendance but the level of hype like 
outside of the London crowd, like that was as good as it like would get for an event. So whatever Atlanta was, Atlanta for IW. That's good. Do you think the London crowd is the, uh, you know, the creme de la creme of crowds? I mean, obviously, I, at least yeah. for like, uh, I can't speak for, so like for, for professional sports, I have no idea. Like I know college crowds in America yeah. for like NCAA basketball or something like that. They do a ton of entertaining stuff and they have like themes and they screw with people when they're taking like foul shots, stuff like that. But as far as like esports and specifically call of duty, London crowd by a mile. Uh, yeah. I've not seen anyone better. Yeah, we do do it the best. I agree. Definitely. I mean, yeah. bro, y'all can't slash her a Peter. Like, that's just hilarious. Y'all just do so much funny stuff to shut up Maven Chance just to get along. Just a chance for everything, throwing around a beach ball on yeah. stage. Like, it, it was just a ton of fun. <coughs> yeah. 100%. We called um, Richard Campbell a pedophile for, uh, two, I think it was, yeah, the whole, the whole of the Saturday, we called Rich Campbell a pedophile um, yeah, because, sure. of, because of the mustache. Because it just because he just had the mustache at the time and the shirts. And we were like, pedo 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 and then and just uh, like just being uh, cruel and just like talking trash to players like it, it's just a fun crowd and like i'm sure at some point you guys took it maybe a little bit too no, far, definitely but like, yeah all in good fun like e yeah. even like the the nicky romero guy just like the, the who are yeah who just anything just i don't know and, and especially since i have zero understanding of like all the different baseline like yeah. soccer football chance yeah, that yeah you guys have like yeah. it's just it's just a very cool experience i think that crowd is honestly the only time where i've like recorded anything for like my own personal yeah. like i want these memories to have of like this crowd is that fucking cool and i need to make sure that like i can save those moments yeah. so like by far and dude by the one of my favorite moments in call of duty history probably is tommy doing the uh lg thing yeah. where jess brohard is like hey what do we think of lg and he did it and just to have a couple thousand people scream, we think they're shit like fuck those guys and the cwo was like this is great put this on broadcast we'll roast the hell out yeah. of this team like Yo, I'll that's one of my favorite clips ever definitely i think the thing with like a london crowd like once once you get like a few beers in a London crowd, you can pretty much chant anything and someone will follow it. No problem. <laughs> like, literally, like, I, I was sitting in the crowd, people were chanting, like, the craziest shit, and I'd be like, yeah, let's chant that. And we'd just say it. I'd be like, what are we even saying? Um, look, it'd just be like, lasagna, lasagna, and people would say it, you know, like, literally. I think yeah. <coughs> there was, um, I mean, I don't know if you saw the clip, but there was a clip of me rubbing my nipples behind Nameless's head on the cast. Yeah, that one was, that one was fun. I only saw that yeah. when you and Nameless were getting into it on Twitter. Yeah. And you, like, replied. It was just like, this is what I was doing before. Yeah. Like, that was... Uh... <laughs> so, oh, man. I, I, look, I've, I've got personally got nothing against Nameless. I just think I just think he's uh, he's not a big fan of the EU guys, and I don't know why. But it is what it is, you know? Um... <laughs> Dude, I will say, <laughs> as far as passionate fan bases go, the only time i've ever gotten any like true shit from a fan base casting it's optic fans always think the casters are biased against them no matter what i get tweets about all the time that spills over to like the huntsman now yeah, and yeah. eu fans are the exact same way anytime i say anything negative about a european my dm or not dms but like mentions immediately blow up and they're like you hate the europeans like you suck <laughs> like this and that i'm like you guys are great this is fun <laughs> i like the interaction it's because he called i don't know if you know i don't know if you've seen neil but Neil's like an old Ravens fan. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I know the story. I'm saying, but not even for that specific moment. I'm saying, like, yeah, I yeah. assure you, all of the CDL talent oh, yeah. gets it from the 100%. European fan anytime. Yeah, I can definitely imagine. Oh, my God. Right, cast trivia. This is the final bit that I've sure. got for you. I think I'm pretty sure it's the final bit of cast trivia I've got for you. Yeah. So, uh, back to 2018, CDL Vegas again. So, yeah, December. So, it's Black Ops 4. Uh, do You're you just a fan of 2018, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it. I am, I am. Well, I don't want to go too far back because then there's no point. Like, odds of you remember it are going to be really hard. So I feel like two years is like a, a good a good point to oh, do it. Um, how little you think of me. Oh, man. no, it's, not, on, it's not that I think little. It's that it's like, I've done this before. <laughs> I did this before. I forgot who I did it with, but I went back like seven years and they were like, what? And they were like, why do you think I'm going to remember this? And I was like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I won't do that anymore. So I think it was Clay's actually. I'm sure I went, I went back to like an event for Clay to like 2012 and he was like, what and i was like yeah and he was like no nah. i mean so you have clay doing that but then you ask marky b literally anything and he's like oh here's the exact maps yeah that I yeah played from six yeah, years yeah, ago and i know everything so yeah it's just a... yeah but he's a he's a fucking freak that's the problem so you know just forget yeah, marky b. Savant, yeah. something like that yeah yeah uh, <laughs> so cdbl vegas 2018 do you remember which teams finished top four and you'll get an extra point actually for the placement of each team so Optic either won or got second because I remember watching them in the finals. 
They played, oh yeah, so Optic beat Splice in the Grand Finals. Splice got second. Is that wrong already? Or did they beat him in the Winners Finals or something like that? So Splice is in the top four, Optic's in the top four. Yeah. Because Black Ops 4, I would assume E United was up there, and I think the next event is when they bombed out and got top 16. Shit. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was good in Black Ops 4. I can't remember organizations. I'll just say Rise, just to put myself out of the misery. You were pretty close. It was LG. Or no, I was, dude, I was about to say LG, but I can't remember if they peaked. They peaked yeah. like in the middle of the year, I think. So you was. were right in what you said, okay. just Optic beat Splice in the Winners' Finals, then they beat United in the Grand Finals. And they beat Splice in a Game 5, Round 11, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. So they, it, they played them twice, and I remember they were super tight. Yeah, so it was, United. it was Optic, United, Splice, then LG. But you, uh, and I think Optic like shmangled him in the finals too, oh, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, because yeah, I I think that was the first event where like we had really seen like Prime Dashy, and yeah. I remember watching it with Ben, and I had been on the Dashy hype train because yeah. I saw him drop like twenty in IW champs when he was on a team that placed like top sixteen or top twenty four and was like irrelevant or something like that. And as soon as I saw <laughs> that, I was like, this kid's the truth. All through World War II was the fry man on complexity, just dragging <laughs> yeah. players behind him as much as he could. And I remember in the finals talking to Ben, and Ben was like, nah, like he was great, but like now the pressure's on. It's finals, like he's going to choke. And I was like, bro, you don't understand. Like he's just different. That does not apply. And he yeah. like opened up the map, whatever the first one was, on like an eight spree. It just immediately started dominating. I remember looking at Ben, I was like, bro, I told you, like this guy's just different. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Optic smashed him in that finals. Yeah, they did. Pretty sure. You got a point for that. So you, that's, that's pretty good. What are you? Are you, one, are you two for free? I think, yeah, two for three. The first that, one I got wrong. That's good. That's not bad at all. I think Miles went two for three, so you've matched okay. it. There we go. I try to stay got, with him. <laughs> I've got a little segment here that I want to move on to called The Casting Couch, um, which is it's a well-known couch, actually, across the internet. Um, but we're heard not, stories. Yeah, we're not going to use it for the same stories. Uh, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> okay. Um, so <clears throat> imagine um, that your fellow casting uh partners so the likes of miles maven Mert, lando study are all sat on this couch one by one and you have the option to place them into a job in the world anywhere any career path what do you feel each one's going to match to so for example where are you putting miles what do you what could you see miles doing if he wasn't a caster oh uh, so i'm saying like what actually applies to them not what yeah. is like gives the highest entertainment value so oh. like i can't make oh. maven president I no, no no like that's not acceptable okay <laughs> Uh, let's see. I mean, Miles would, I, he would just be in the entertainment industry in some capacity, if not a commentator be, honestly, I think he'd be great as like a, like a night talk show host, honestly, not yeah. to fill him in like the, the shoes of his uncle type deal, but like, yeah. he's just got that much charisma. He works that well with like random people. He's that like funny. Like I think a talk show host would be perfect for him. I think Miles um, would be, I think Miles would be like a, a good narrator for a nature documentary. <laughs> Yeah, no. So yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to do this, but like when I'm just like fucking around with Miles, just like talking about whatever, and he'll put on an accent, I'll just start throwing names at him to like hear his impressions. So I'll like throw David Attenborough and just like listen to him do that. Throw Christopher Walken, he'll switch it up. Like he is genuinely incredible, can do all that stuff on the fly. So like wow. he can do whatever he wants. He can 100% be <laughs> the next uh, Attenborough guy for you. That sounds good. So we got to continue. Um, what would Maven do? It's like a real career. Yeah. I can't see Maven in any other job that's not like what he does. Like he is too bombastic of a person. Like it's just like it's tough to get Maven to be professional. It's like yeah. all it is. Like he just has too much energy. Um, I feel like he'd be a, a hairdresser. I don't have a fucking clue. I have no idea. No, I wouldn't be a hairdresser. That's <laughs> like not even a people person. Like because it's just you need specific type of people uh, around Maven as yeah. well. Maybe like a, a dog trainer or something like that. I know he's great with like his puppies. He yeah. gets them high energies. Maybe like a dog walker or something yeah. like that. I think Merck had a business degree and Merck is like a smart enough guy that he could do. I mean, he's got a lot of options. Um, Maybe Merck just like running his own business of yeah. some sort, some like type yeah. of entrepreneur, entrepreneur, whatever that word is, like role. Um, Who's next on the list? Like Lando? Yeah. Jesus, dude, I have no idea. I could see Lando being like a pastor, like a youth pastor at like the local church type deal, just like working with the kids. I, I yeah. could see him doing that because he's like a very wholesome, doesn't curse, very nice like yeah. man. Like he is the exact type of like you want him to like build the future and like work with kids because yeah. you want more people like Lando in the world. Yeah. Definitely like a youth pastor. 
Who's next? Study? Study, yeah. DJ. I can see Study being a DJ, dude. Just like balling out at like live events, just getting like the people going. Cause like super energetic guy, like yeah. great people person is like fun to be around for everybody. So like yeah. you just need him in like a party environment. As far as like party environments for careers goes, like it's either a stripper or a DJ. And I'd rather listen to his music than anything else. So I'll go with that. Either a stripper or a DJ, brilliant. Okay. Nameless would be a bouncer. Cause like he's got that look. You'd just be a bouncer at, you know, whatever yeah. kind of club. Also we got Lottie would be like a professional. I think she was like a... It was either lacrosse or field hockey. She was apparently like on the, I think she was from Wales. She was on like the national team when she was like 16. She was apparently like insane. I literally wow. Googled her and started reading articles. Like she was legit getting news articles written about how good she was, like how far above it was she is compared to everyone else her age. Like she was insanely good. So I would put her as like professional athlete type deal. Damn. Okay. Who am I forgetting? Anyone else? Uh, or is that the entire nice. crew? I was, I think that's the entire crew. I'm pretty sure it I is. think I've covered like the core group. Yeah, you we've have. had like random people invest like a Pac-Man or something like that. But yeah, I, I think yeah. from this year, that's the, the main guys. No, I agree. Like, in fact, you know what? Let's check a spin on that. So if you were to put them all into, like you were saying, just into an entertainment part rather than, you know, any career, it has to be entertainment. Let's say casting's done. Where do you see them going in entertainment? I, I, think, I, I think you're right in what you said just about like Miles and Maven. I think those guys could kind of maybe host a show. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, they both have the core skills that, like, within the entertainment industry, they could do whatever they want. But I was saying, like, what's the most entertaining place to put somebody? Like, I think Maven, <laughs> the president, would be hysterical. Or, like, can I make Maven, like, the king of England? Like, he just gets to chill with Queen Elizabeth and, like, do, like, those sort of roles. Like, any sort of, like, very straight-edge environment where you have to be as professional as possible and, yeah. like, calm and you can't say anything wild. Like, yeah. that's where I want Maven to, like, exist. I think that would be incredible. I would love him to date Queen Elizabeth II. That would be a good time. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, brilliant. Right, well, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Right, I've just got a few Twitter questions for you, and I'm gonna let you shoot. Sure. So, uh, Pagent asks, "What player are you most looking forward to watching and casting over this year?" Now, admittedly, a lot of the players you've already watched and and casted over, so maybe we could restructure that question to what team or rumored team are you most looking forward to watching and casting over this year? I'll just go players because I think it's easier. Like mental is the easiest answer of like just for your curiosity's sake, yeah. how well can a Gears Pro do in like the Call of Duty environment? So he's top dog. Uh, I would love to watch a player like Dylan next year and yeah. see how he can do in like a 4v4 environment because the way he's even talked about in the pro community, like dude's just a freak. Like Modern yeah. Warfare is not a game where like his skill set can really be like shown fully to show like exactly how good he is. But like Dylan is outstanding. I'm excited to watch him in 4v4. Jared has always been one of my favorite players to watch. So, like, fingers crossed if he ends up on, like, a, a starting spot. I always enjoy his POV. I don't know. I, I guess I'll stick with the Dylan mental answer. I'm yeah. sure there's, like, another good one or two. Or, like, what, or like a, a Mac melt. I'll throw a Mac melt in there yeah. as well. Because, yeah. like, by the way, I don't get to talk about this, Don. His stats were fucking absurd from this past year. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit. Like, everyone talks about him, like, how good he was. But, like, we didn't take that far enough with how insane he actually was this year. And there's obviously a very big question mark of, like, now the switch is to 4v4. It's maybe not the type of game for him. How is he going to actually handle? And, like, Awakening's in the same mix of, like, are these new young gun players going to completely fall off or are they going to stay, like, at the top? So those guys plus a villain plus a mental. I'll stick with that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good pull. That's a good talent pull to look over. Um, your casting duo partner, Miles LaRosse, asks, how hard is it to unmute your microphone when you're live? Yeah, it's pretty hard, man. <laughs> I screwed that up a lot. Like, again, I'm just genuinely an idiot. Like, there's no two ways about it. And I think the muting myself live and just not even being aware of it happened like two or three times. And I'm doing this at like Champs, where I'm just like leaving Miles out to dry, like live on air type deal. <laughs> but the worst of it I had is the, the headset I have now, don't know how well it can be seen is like the official cdl headset yeah, yeah and i got sent to us i think like right at the start of playoffs and if you go back to i think it's the first years of playoffs and listen to my cast my mic audio was trash and i had no idea until after the second map i'm getting a ton of tweets of like your mic sucks your mic sucks this is awful do something about it and so i switched back to my original astro headset and i was like oh the one they sent me is just broken it doesn't work and i just assumed so for the rest of the year i used like the the headset originally and I tried to give this headset to a friend and within five minutes of after I gave it to him, he was like, dude, you never took the plastic bit off the microphone. 
He's like, you're a dumbass. And I was like, oh my God. So the only reason the audio was trash is because I didn't even properly unpack the thing. Brilliant. Like, I'm just, I'm not That's a smart man. Awesome. Really and I've got one more question for you from Brick. And Brick asks, what's one thing that casters do that goes completely unnoticed by the viewers? Um, uh, see, this would be different. So like at live events, there's a ton of like hand communication type deal where we're like, like it, it would happen online where like there would just be times where I would feel obligated to cut miles off to be like, yo, this dude's flanking, like he's going to make a play. And it's one of those things if there's a ton of like non-audio cues we would give to each other, pointing at this and that, acknowledging specialist streaks, whatever it's going to be, just like help the other guy out and like work on like this synergy. Or even just like a love tap of like, yo, shut up so like I can talk now because I got a great point, like the back and forth. So I think there's just a ton of stuff that's being done uh, just that, you know, it can't be seen because we're not on camera during those moments. I've just had an awful vision in my head where I... <laughs> maybe what you could do is if you bond miles, you know the little love eggs that uh, that, that see <laughs> the vibrating pink love eggs, and you can send miles one. Then what you can do is if he wears that, and then when you need when you've got a point, you can ping him, and he'll know to shut the fuck. Is this your way of telling me you want me to buy Miles a vibrator? Is that what this is? You've yeah, been sitting much. on this for a couple hours? Yeah, like. <laughs> literally, yeah. It's just come to me just now. Right, and that answer there brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, Chance. You've given me some great insight into your world, which is always good. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we close off? Uh, I No, just thanks for having me on. I appreciate the uh, good conversation. Honestly, any opportunity to, to, to do trivia, I will take full advantage of. So yeah, I good. appreciate you digging through some uh, 2018 history. No, it's good. I'm grateful for your time. Guys, make sure you head over to Spotify if you did tune in late to catch the podcast in full and make sure you follow me on uh, Twitter, Big Boy Bake, just to keep up to date with guest announcements. Uh, we will be talking to our cities on Tuesday. Uh, I'm not too sure what time yet. It'd be either 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. GMT. Sorry, not GMT. We'll go BST because it's summertime. I keep forgetting. So, um, which is usually, is, it, is that free Eastern? It is, isn't it? Yeah, free Eastern, I believe. So we'll see. I will let you guys know. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in. Chance again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time and peace. Uh...